0: All right, so for this unit, we learned about federalism, and um, just let's skip down to where it says federalism. What is it? Why? And all that kind of stuff. So let's start there, since that's the main topic. Uh, Federalism, remember, is the shared or sharing of powers between multiple levels of government. So for us here in America, we've got our national government, so those people up in Washington, D.C., them, you know, president, Congress, and then we also have here in Georgia the governor, uh, Congress that we have to listen to. Uh, there's a the state legislature that we have to listen to. Um, so that's what federalism is it is just this idea where you know we're going to share powers between multiple levels of government. Um, and yeah, is it state and for us, but you know, we also. It goes much further. You, know, we could go to the the county here in Gwinnett. We have to listen to, whatever city you live in. You know, I'm in here in Swanee. Uh, we could go further down to the schools. You know, we have to listen to the ISC over there, and then here at school, Miss Wing tells us what to do. So, you know, so there's all kinds of levels that we have to listen to. So, um, now why was why did they choose federalism? Uh, we need to remember that this was supposed to be. Kind of a compromise between the states and the new government, because remember, under the Articles of Confederation, the states had all the power, and they're signing this document, the Constitution. What's that going to do? Well, it's going to take away the states' power. So federalism was kind of tossed to the states and said, "Hey, yeah, we're, you're going to give up your power, but you get to keep some of the power." So uh, that's why um, federalism was kind of used. It was. To establish this central authority, to establish this uh, federal government, you know, hey, here, federal, here's the federal government. It's gonna be number one, but state, you get to keep some of your powers. All right. Uh, so that is federalism. Let's get back up now to the grants. Um, so grants, first off, over overall, uh, that is just money that the federal government gives to the states. <clears throat> um, and there's two types you got to know, and they're listed there: the block. Versus categorical. Already, the block grants. Uh, I don't. I hate to use the term "free money," but this is money that states can use how they want to. Okay, so if a state gets a block grant, that is money from the federal government to the state to spend how they want to. Now, it might be for a specific program, but they can they can do what they want with it. Um, an example is welfare, right? Welfare is a federal program that each state gets to run. So what happens is the federal government gives Georgia money and it's it's for the it's for welfare. But Georgia can spend it and run it how they want to. Does that make sense to y'all? So there's no real regulations on a block grant other than, hey, you can't take it out to Vegas and, you know, put it on uh, what's the roulette table. You know, you can't do stuff stuff like that. But as long as you're spending it for government purposes, you're probably going to be okay. Categorical grants, though, this is money that has kind of strings attached. And that's kind of the visual we use for categorical grants. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. So... The federal government will give the state money but it has to be spent on this specific program or this specific project or whatever it might be the the, the states cannot spend it anywhere anywhere else any way else they don't get to do what they want with it they have to spend it that way okay uh and one of the best examples of that is the drinking age the drinking age is it a federal or state program? I mean, a uh, law, does anybody know? It's a state thing, all right? The federal government does not have anything to do with the drinking age. If Georgia wanted to drop their drinking age to 12, they can do so. But the federal government wants it to be at 21. And so they have used some categorical grants to kind of twist the state's arms to keep it at tw- uh, 21. So, what this, the federal government does is they tell the states, hey, you're going to have the drinking age at 21, or you're going to lose this money, the road construction money. All right. Uh, and I don't know if you have lived in Georgia very long or driven on Georgia roads very much, but Georgia is always working on their roads. Like, I, I've never not known a road that Georgia's, you know, there's just always construction out there. So Georgia's is not going to not do that. They're always going to be working on the roads because they want that money uh, or vice versa. Uh, so that's a categorical grant though. Here's the money. You get it as long as you do what we say. Does that make sense to y'all? So block grant, here's some money from the federal government. You can kind of spend it where you want to, how you want to. Categorical grant, Here's some money, but you got to spend it this way or you lose this or you lose funding or you don't get to this or whatever it might be. Okay. You okay with that? All right. The different powers, we covered in unit two as well. So these are kind of a a repeat for you. Uh, Express powers, those are in the constitution. It's in there. You can go and read it and see it. And it is there in black and white saying exactly what the federal government can do. Reserved powers, those are the powers left to the states. So reserved powers are those powers left to the state. Uh, And this comes from the 10th Amendment. All right. So as long as the Constitution does not specifically say states can't do it, then they are allowed to do it. All right. And that sounds kind of weird. But for example, the Constitution says the only people that can coin money is Congress, all right? It says it in the Constitution. So that means the states cannot make money. So there's not going to be any Georgia currency, any Florida currency or not, because it's specifically denied to them. But it doesn't say anywhere in the Constitution about um, state flags, okay? So the states can do their own flag as they see fit. This is why you know, Mississippi had to change their flag just recently because they had some Confederate uh, stuff on their flag. So just within the last maybe three, four years, they've changed their flag. Georgia, probably 25 years ago, they had some Confederate stuff on their flag. It's been changed since then. Okay, But because it's left to the states, they can do what they want to. Does that make sense to y'all? It doesn't deny in the Constitution. And then concurrent powers are powers that both the federal government and the states have over us. So it's stuff they can both do to us. Um, the big one is taxing. They can both tax us. Uh, so a couple of years ago, there was a billion dollar lottery. Like you got up, the mega millions got up to a billion dollars. Had you won it, the first check you would have written would have been probably about $350 million to the federal government for taxes. The second check you would have written would have been eh, a little bit less, probably somewhere in the $50 million range to the state of Georgia for the Georgia state income tax. Okay, uh, now could you still live off six hundred million dollars? I could, yeah. You know, I I wouldn't be here, uh, but uh, that's still you know a lot. So they both can tax us. Now some states don't do income taxes, but they have other taxes. Like Florida, there is no income tax in Florida. But what does Florida rely on? They rely on sales tax because who's coming into the state? Old people, old people. But who else? Disney, think Disney World, the beaches, tourists. Okay. They have got all these people coming from out of state that are paying these high sales taxes that they don't really need an income tax, you know, because they have all these you know, millions of people coming in all the time. All right. So we've done grants, we've done powers, we've done federalism. All right. The formal amendment process, I think there's one question on there. Uh, be sure you know the numbers. All right. I think that's probably the most important thing is that, you know, the numbers. So it's a two step process for an amendment. Okay. Uh, it starts at the national level. And then it goes to the states so there's two steps i'm going to tell you the numbers in just a second but it starts at the national level and then it goes to the states all righty so an amendment to be for an amendment to be proposed it has to be done by congress all right so the people up in congress so let's say that we the 10 of us in here or whatever the number is uh is congress i stand up and i say i want to propose an amendment That we're going to get rid of daylight savings time we're just going to pick one time and stick with it that's because that's the next amendment okay so i just proposed it to y'all now we have to vote on it righty. the number you got to know is two-thirds two-thirds of both houses of congress have to say yes for it to move forward okay so i propose it then both the house and the senate vote if two-thirds of them say yes to this amendment to pick a time and stick with it, then it will go to the states. Okay. So the proposal part is Congress, both sides, and that's you have to be specific there. Both sides of Congress have to say yes by two-thirds vote. That's roughly 470. There's there's 535 members of Congress. So around four, I think it's 467 might be the exact number, but uh two-thirds of them have to say yes. Once Congress approves it. It then goes to the states to be signed, okay? So then the state legislatures will sign it. So once Congress has said, yes, we want to have one time, we're going to get rid of daylight savings time, that document then gets sent to all 50 state legislatures. So down in Atlanta would get it. Down in Tallahassee, Florida would get it. um, Albany, New York. Uh, I'm running out of capitals because I don't know my capitals very well. Uh, But they would get it, and they would have to sign off on it. They need, the number you got to know for that is three-fourths of states, okay? So three-fourths, 38 states have to say yes. So three-fourths of the states have to say yes uh, to the constitutional amendment to pass. So two-thirds of Congress and then three-fourths of the states have to say yes. Okay? Uh, So on the test tomorrow, it's going to be, you need to remember the numbers and remember Congress then states, two-thirds of Congress, then three-fourths of states, and I think you'll be okay for that test question. All right, next up is the supremacy clause. This is pretty simple. It is found in Article Six. You do need to know that. So Article Six is where it's found in the Constitution, and it basically just says the top two documents in this country that we're going to follow are the Constitution and then federal law, okay? So the supremacy clause says that the Constitution is number one, And then comes federal law. Why do we have to have the supremacy clause in there? Well, because we have federalism where the states get to make laws as well. So for example, we know, hopefully we know that there are some states that have legalized what drug? Marijuana, right? So places like Colorado, I think Washington state has, uh, and some other places have basically just said, Hey, do what you want with marijuana. Is it still against federal law? Yes. It's, if you if you go out to Colorado, and you buy marijuana, and you bring it back to the state of Georgia, and you get caught, you're going to get arrested, and you're going to go to prison probably. Okay. I don't know what the, I don't know what the what the um, jail sentence would be for that, but you would be in trouble. So at any time the federal government wanted to, they could tell Colorado and these other states. You got to shut it down. You're breaking federal law because of the supremacy clause. All righty. Because number one is supposed to be the Constitution. Number two is supposed to be federal law, and right now it's still a federal crime to do marijuana or whatever you whatever whatever you do with marijuana. Okay. Next up is a court case, McCullough versus Maryland. Uh, this case you need to know. Uh, I think there's one question on the test about it, but it backs up the supremacy clause. Okay. So this court case. It was decided way back in the 1830s, but it backed up the Supremacy Clause. So the question at the time was about national banks. Can Congress create a national bank? And so Maryland tried to get rid of the national bank by taxing it, and the Supreme Court said, well, no, federal law, necessary and proper Clause, says that the Congress can do that. Okay. Dual versus cooperative federalism. So dual federalism is sometimes compared to a layer cake where, you know, if you think of a layer cake, that's where you have the icing and then you have the cake and they stay separate. All right. They're not mixing together. Dual federalism is where the states do their thing and the federal government does their thing and they don't mix. They don't mess with each other. They leave each other alone just like with a, a layer cake all uh the, the example for this is military <coughs> and education the federal government runs the military there is no there's no state military yes there's the national guard but they're not they're not a they're not always there those those guys are working other jobs and doing their own thing and they only get called into action when needed OK, so the bases here in Georgia, you got Fort Benning, you've got Dobbins Air Force Base, the one down in Warner Robins. I can't remember the name of it right now. you got all these different bases. There's all federal things. And the state of Georgia has nothing to do with it. OK, education is the same way except for the state level. The federal government has nothing to do with education. I've been teaching now for 21 years. I've never had a federal person come into my classroom, come into a, even come into a, 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 a school that I'm at. Okay, and I've been to like five schools. So they stay out of education. All right, does that make sense to y'all? So here's my lane, I'll stay in it. Here's your lane, you stay in it, and we don't mess with each other. Cooperative federalism, this is a marble cake. So if you wanna use that analogy, it's a marble cake where it's all mixed together. righty. and so you have the federal and the state level working together in a cooperative federalism, okay? So in cooperative federalism, you have them working together. Uh, And so uh, a good example of this is after 9-11, all right? Uh, After 9-11, you had states, you had the federal government working together to try and make sure that everybody was safe at the airports uh, and just travel all together, and uh, you you didn't know who was who. The environment's another good one. You've got state EPAs, you've got national EPAs. They work together to make sure that environmental laws are are, are uh, enforced, okay? All right, mandates mandates are simply directives to the states from the federal government okay so they are hey state you're gonna do this okay uh, we used to have one it was a uh, education thing it was no child left Behind the federal government said hey you're gonna do this and we had to do we had to meet these these test numbers uh, and all this other kind of stuff it was a mandate it was just, they, they created this idea, and they said, states, you're going to do it, all right? Now, you've got two types. You've got unfunded and underfunded. Hopefully, you can figure out what those are. Unfunded, does the federal government give any money for an unfunded mandate? No, they don't. They just say, states, you're going to do this. Now, my favorite example of this is the Americans with Disabilities Act. This was passed back in the 90s. The Americans with Disabilities Act, it made the states... Retrofit all their buildings, all their state buildings, for handicap access. Okay, if you can imagine, back in the '80s, not every building was built with a wheelchair ramp. Not every building was built with elevators and things like that. When the Americans with Disabilities Act was passed, the federal government set put a mandate out: states, you got to retrofit, you got to get your stuff in order, you got to have handicap access. Okay, when I got to Central Gwinnett back in 2001. They were having to build a lift from because they had stairs going from the commons area, the lunchroom, up to the next hallway. There was one kid in a wheelchair at Central at the time. He could not go up the stairs because he's obviously in a wheelchair. So they were having to put this lift in for him. And guess what? They had no money for it. The federal government did not give them money. It was just how the state had to pay for it. Okay. And then an underfunded mandate is where there's not much money. So state, you're going to do this. Here's a little bit of money, okay? Uh, it'd be like if uh, your parents told you, hey, go get the car fixed since you drive it as well. Here's a hundred bucks. You gotta cover the rest, okay? Y'all okay with those things? Underfunded versus unfunded. All right, fiscal federalism. This is just the way the states are forced. I should, Well, let me say it a different way. This is the way the federal government gets the states to do something, okay? So this is the way the federal government gets The states to do stuff because really the federal government is heavily reliant on the states to enforce their laws. Okay. Uh, And so the states don't always want to do what the federal government wants them to do. Um, The drinking age, for example, Uh, Louisiana back in 2000 had it at 18. Okay. they just we're not gonna do it. Colorado has marijuana legalized. Okay, so the states are like little kids uh, in that you tell them what to do and they don't want to do it. So the federal government says, well, you know what, we'll give you some money. Almost like you're, you know, an allowance for maybe for you if your parents do that kind of stuff still. Um, you know, I tell my kids to clean their room. They're like, yeah, and they, they go about their business. There's no, you know, even though you know uh, I'm the parent and I'm taller than, bigger than, and all that kind of stuff. They still don't want to do it, so they just choose not to. Then I say, okay, I'm going to take away the Xbox. I'm going to take away your phone, whatever it might be. So I give them an incentive, right? Now they want to. Same thing with the states and the federal government. The federal government makes laws, policies that the states need to enforce. They don't want to do it. Instead, the federal government gives them a, a. a carrot, that's fiscal federalism. Okay. Y'all okay with that? All right. Lastly are the court cases. Now there was about 36 court cases supposed to be in that virtual museum. Um, I wasn't going to put all 36 onto the test. So I narrowed it down to these five. All right. But all of those court cases matter and you do need to have an understanding of them because it does give you some rights and some of them took away some of your rights but I'm just going to concentrate on the five that's on the test. Okay. Uh, so if you haven't done that yet, please get that done. Uh, Wisconsin versus Yoder, what you need to understand about this, it was a free exercise case. All right. So free exercise, uh, remember the first amendment and the freedom of religion, there's two clauses establishment and free exercise. This one is free exercise. So it allows you to worship how you want to. Okay. So Wisconsin versus Yoder was a free exercise case. And it protects, it secures your right to worship how you want to, even when state laws try and deny it. Okay, so Wisconsin versus Yoder, free exercise case is going to protect you and allow you to worship how you want to. Very quickly, the Amish wanted to pull their kids out of school after eighth grade. Wisconsin law said they couldn't do it till 10th grade. That was the case. Okay. All right, Map. excuse me, M-A-P-P, Map versus Ohio. This is a Fourth Amendment search and seizure case. So Fourth Amendment search and seizure. Re- remember that the Fourth Amendment protects you from unlawful search and seizure. The police showed up to Map's house. They wanted to look for an escaped convict. They did not have a warrant. So she sent him away. They came back with a warrant. Now, it just happens it was fake. They never were able to show it again. All right. So they didn't really have one. They just, whatever. So they went into her house and they found drugs. They arrested her. She was charged. Got prison time. She appealed saying, you shouldn't have been in my house. The stuff you found, the drugs you found, you never would have found had you not been in my house illegally. And the courts agreed okay so map versus ohio protects you from unlawful search and seizure all right dc versus heller is a very complicated case i'm not going to get into too many details about it but it is a second amendment case okay it's a second amendment and uh, um basically dc had some strict gun laws that were found unconstitutional okay so dc versus heller Washington, D.C. has some very strict gun laws. Heller fights back, and the Supreme Court says, yeah, you're right, those are too strict. Last two here, Gideon versus Wainwright. This is a Sixth Amendment case, and it guarantees you a lawyer. So it guarantees you a lawyer. Gideon was found guilty of breaking into a pool hall. Because it was a misdemeanor, he was not given a lawyer, even though he wanted one, but he couldn't afford one, okay? And so he appealed after he was found guilty, and the Supreme Court agreed that no matter what misdemeanor or felony, you're going to get a lawyer. So if you're ever arrested, first off, don't be, but if you ever are, the first thing you should do and the only thing you should do is ask for a lawyer, okay, and then shut up. Don't say another word until your lawyer gets there, and that's my legal advice for the day. Okay. Getting versus Wayne Wright, Sixth Amendment, right to lawyer. Last one, Miranda versus Arizona. This deals with the Fifth Amendment. Uh, the Fifth Amendment does a couple things. It says you can't be forced to testify against yourself. That is used now in the, when you're arrested, you can't be forced to talk to the police. Okay. So you can't, that's why they read you your Miranda rights. You have the right to remain silent. Anything you say can and will be used against you. So once again, if you are ever arrested, don't be, but if you ever are, is when they read when they arrest you, just say I want a lawyer and then shut up. Don't say another word, okay? Uh, and you have that right through Miranda versus Arizona. All right, uh, just real quick, the background: Miranda uh, had been picked up for the rape of a woman. He was questioned. He admitted it. He was found guilty. He appealed, saying I didn't know I didn't I didn't have to talk to the police. The Supreme Court agreed with him. He was given a second trial, he was still feeling guilty, so they had enough evidence to convict him, even without his confession, but now you don't have to talk to the police when they ask you because of Miranda versus Arizona. Any questions from the room? Everybody okay? All right, if you're listening to this podcast, um, feel free to remind, text me if you need anything. Uh, You can interact with me on social media. Uh, The school Twitter account is mine. It is C-H-H-S gov underscore civics. I'll be happy to interact with you there. Uh, But the test is tomorrow. It's about 25 questions. It shouldn't take you too long. Uh, Let me know if I can help y'all and I'll see y'all later. Bye-bye.